Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cubs Corner. I'm Anthony Pasquale, and on today's edition, we welcome NBC Sports Chicago's Cubs writer and reporter Tony Andraki from Arizona. He's a frequent guest, a frequent guest on the Cubs Talk podcast, and now a guest on mine. Thank you for joining us, Tony. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. When did you first starting first start covering the Chicago Cubs? Uh, I think the first year I, I went to like a couple of games in 2011, uh, like August September range. I went to like wrote a story on um, like Jeff Samarja and James Russell in the bullpen. Uh, and that was pretty much it. It was mostly get lay of the land, and then uh, you know covered a few games in 12, and then started picking up more from there. Um, and last year I covered over 100, and this year probably on pace to. Uh, do close to the same, especially if they make it further into the playoffs as well. What's your favorite part about the job? My favorite part about the job is just being around a baseball field. I mean, I, I love baseball. I, you know, still play myself and I played my whole childhood growing up. And, you know, if I wasn't doing some sort of job in baseball, I'd be watching it and uh, paying attention. And, you know, I'm in like seven fantasy baseball leagues. Like, <laughs> baseball is just my favorite sport. You know, it's, it's, the thing I'm most passionate about in my life. So the the best part is just the fact that like I actually get paid to do this. I mean, it uh, I I try to make sure that I never get complacent, and it's never lost on me that you know I'm working and and getting paid and so on to be at Wrigley Field and writing about this team and talking about this team. And so you're in Arizona now. Do you typically travel with the team? Oh, uh, you know, here and there, like I, I'm down here for a couple of weeks for spring training. Uh, I will be in Texas for the first uh, series to start, and then you know it'll kind of depend on there. Uh, it's it's all you know based on budget and and um, everybody is a boss and has answered people and stuff too. Um, I mean, I'll be in St. Louis and Milwaukee, and um, you know should be traveling for playoffs and stuff too. And then we'll see. I went to. Uh, to Miami, Cleveland, D.C. last year. Um, so, yeah, so definitely travel, but uh, not like on a consistent basis, not every series. What's the difference between, because you said you started a little bit in 11, 12, and then kind of picked up 13 and 14. What's the difference between covering a team that is bad versus a team like now that has been really good and dominant for about four years now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it, it is completely different especially when you're talking about getting into july and august and september i mean the, you know the dog days of summer where uh, a bad team there's just no energy and you're searching for you know how do i get one or two stories out of this day especially on like a saturday day game or a sunday day game you know guys aren't around there's just not as much to talk about because the team's not in the game so it's, you know, trying to do stuff, uh, focus on the future. Like, what's the status with this guy and where does he fit in the big picture and so on. Um, so it, it's much tougher uh, at that point. But, you know, I feel like I was lucky because I got I had time to, to build up and to get experience and, um, you know, knowledge and, and all that stuff while the team was bad, while there was much less pressure. And then, you know, by the time they got good in 15 and then obviously, you know, World Series run in 16 and a couple of years since it – you know, I have so much more experience that I can fall back on then and, and learn, and, you know, remember, like, um, what it was like in those August and Septembers when, you know, it, it really forces you to um, to ask the right questions and to, to try to follow up on the right stories when the team is, is bad. And then, you know, when the team is good, there's so many different angles that, you know, you already have that to fall back on, that kind of reporting. What is the... Um... Is there like a specific player on the team that you have a really good relationship with that you can always go to if you need a quote or a story? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I have a good relationship with David Bodie. When he came up last year, and you mentioned travel, I, I talked to him, ended up talking to him for like 20 minutes in Cleveland. So, I mean, this was April, and he wasn't, you know, super established or anything by that point. Um, and, you know, I just uh, wanted to get his perspective. He'd been in the system for a while, and we just ended up having a really good conversation. Um, and so I've been able to go back to him since and, you know, get a, get a better feel for, like, his perception and um, or perspective, I mean, and um, everything else. And so, yeah, so he's a good guy. He's a good guy to, to go to for a quote. And then um, the other one would be Pedro Strope. Uh, I love interviewing Strope, and he's – um, such a like thoughtful guy and he's always in such a great mood so uh, I always enjoy going up and talking to him whenever I can what is the the current vibe around the team right now uh, I think it's just the excitement and hope I, everybody has that in spring training and today as I'm talking to you it's, it's the first day of um, all the position players here and everybody's here there, there's hope you know nobody's lost the game yet um everybody's thinking that uh this is going to be a great season you know there's very few injuries for any team so um i think the vibe is very similar to that but then from the cubs perspective specifically i mean there's that there's that chip on their shoulder there's that edge and, and you know on on mission uh mindset that they had in 2016 and i don't think they've really had that since and, you know, it's easy to say that you have that on, you know, the middle of February, and it's the tough part is carrying that into the season. But these guys were completely stunned, like you know, it was jaw dropping to them that they were done after the wild card game. That they were, you know, Rizzo was talking today. He's like October barbecuing. Like I haven't done that in so long. I'm not even sure what that's like. So I mean, these guys suddenly had the whole month of October off, and they they remember what that feels like, and they're gonna feel that and and uh, try to. Uh, make sure that that never happens again. So I think there is that sense of urgency already. And like you said, it's the first day of um, complete position player camp, but there's still a lot of free agents that don't have a club right now. What's your take on free agency as a whole this offseason? It's broken. It, it is. It can't keep going on like this. I mean, you know, everybody is reported to every camp now, and we still have, you know, don't have home for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado or Marwin Gonzalez or um, Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Clay. I mean, there's so many guys out there. There's not 100 anymore. I don't know what the number's at now, if it's, you know, in the 70 to 80 range. Um, but, I mean, I know when we first got down here, people uh, were talking about how there's, you know, still like 100 free agents out there. And uh, Brad Brock was talking about how every team basically gave him the same offer all at the same time. And he thought that that was kind of suspicious. And, um, just, yeah, it just seems like it's, it's a mess. I mean, you know, I talked to George Contos today and he's a guy with a pretty long history of, of big league success. Uh, I mean, he was on two Giants teams that won the World Series and the team that lost to the Cubs in the DS in 16 and he signed a minor league deal. And so I, I think it, it's just, it's just broken. Um, it should never go on this long. It shouldn't be 110, 120 days where, you know, there could, I get, the guy could sign from the end of the World Series until, you know, spring training next year. I, I would love it to be a lot more like the NFL or NBA where free agency opens and you basically have like a week or two and that's when almost all of the moves are made. Maybe that could take place during the winter meetings in the future? Yeah, yeah. Or like uh, I think I saw somebody suggest uh, either the winter meetings is the jumping off point or since it's in mid-December, you know, as the, the last weekend or so of it. So, you know, if you have uh, the first week to 10 days before and then winter meetings is the last like four or five days and everybody scrambles and then, you know, there's a free agent signing deadline or trade deadline 
up right after that and then that takes you through the holidays and the new year and then you know you could lift the band or something in, in mid-january and um the few guys who are kind of out there or who are injured or whatever can sign them so i think that would be the best course of action basically have like a two to three week span from thanksgiving to to christmas and new year's range um but i, I just don't see that happening anytime soon What's your prediction on where a couple of these stars will, stars will land, like Harper, Machado, those types of guys? <laughs> you know what? It, it changes every day. and it, The news changes every day. All these reports change every day. Um, I mean, Rizzo was laughing in there. He's like, where do all these reports come from? You know, he, he made a joke. He's like, well, Bryce Harper's coming to the Cubs, right? Because, you know, he's talking about all the reports through the winter. And he was laughing about the Chris Bryant trade rumors over the winter and um, so yeah, so I, I, you know what? I don't know. Um, I, I would say that Harper to the Phillies has always made the most sense for me. Um, and I just like from a, from a Chicago end, I would love Machado to go to the White Sox because it would make the Sox more interesting, baseball in Chicago more interesting. And uh, that Crosstown rivalry would, would probably be a lot more of a rivalry again. Do you think the way free agency is this year will impact whether or not the Cubs will be able to extend Chris Bryant or Javi Baez coming up in the future? Yeah, I think it can. Um, we're seeing that with Aaron Nola, Luis Severino, um, forget who else uh, signed extensions recently, but it, I think it will. I think it's it's that factor for, for all players. Um, and I, I don't know about Chris Bryant still. I mean, I think he's he's basically in the same boat as Harper, just three years behind. He's this all-world talent uh, represented by Scott Boris, who always likes his players to test the open market. And he'll want to get the the most that he possibly can because the difference is Bryant will be 30 when he's going to free agency, whereas, you know, Harper's 26, or I guess Bryant will be like 29. But, um, but, I mean, it'll be his only truly big contract of his career. So, you know, if he's going to get life-changing money, um, he has a better chance of getting more of that on the open market. So I think Brian's still his free agency. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, with the way the market's gone, maybe some of these guys, uh, Kyle Hendricks or Javi or Schwarber or Rizzo, some of these guys whose contracts are up in the next couple of years, maybe they'll, they won't want to test the market and they'll just want to stay here for the rest of their careers. From a Cubs perspective, is this how free agency you think will be for a while in terms of the budget, kind of a lower budget, not too many big splash types of moves? Uh, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that um, they're, all these guys are going to get more expensive. I mean, they're still obviously paying uh, Darvish and Hayward for the next few years a lot of money. Lester's here next year still on lofty contract. And, you know, Bryant and Javi and Schwarber and uh, Hendricks are all going to make more money and um, and then next year is when Almora and Contreras and um, start getting into arbitration. Then you talk about Edwards, Montgomery, and um, you know Bodie and uh, uh, Ian Happ aren't far behind in terms of you know getting into arbitration and getting more expensive. So I think it'll be tough for them to, to go. You know they'll have a big budget, a big payroll every single year, even after they lose. You know Cole Hamels is money and stuff, but they also need to completely rebuild the, the bullpen next year. Very few guys, I think it's just like Edwards and Montgomery, are signed through next year, and Brock has an option. Other than that, I mean, Moro, Strobe, C-Shack, um, you know, a lot of these guys are, are free agents, so, um, so they're going to have to spend a lot of money on pitching, but I think the, the best way for them to get more money is to start getting 
pitchers coming up through the farm system and, and having a serious impact on the roster. Even if it's just a middle reliever that comes in in the fifth or sixth inning or a long guy in the bullpen or a number five starter, that would be immensely helpful for the Cubs and their budget and their payroll. Is there a move that you wish the Cubs made this offseason that they didn't, whether it be extending somebody, trading somebody, or signing somebody? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I would have taken any trade. That would have been really interesting. I love trades as, you know, a baseball fan and, you know, fantasy I think, player. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Everybody from fantasy loves the trade aspect of it. Um, so any trade would have been fine for me, but in terms of what I wanted to see, I mean, I, I would have wanted to see Harper come here. That would have been really cool to experience that and you know that would have given so much energy and um, it just would have been really interesting to see Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez all in the same lineup so um, yeah I, I would have wanted that but you know I also don't understand why it didn't happen or um, and also I guess unfortunately why he hasn't signed yet. What do you think is the biggest strength and the biggest weakness about the Cubs? I think strength is their depth and their experience. They they have so many guys at so many different positions, and injuries happen, and effectiveness happens. I mean, you know, when when a guy like Brian Dunsing, for example, comes back and um, you know he had a really good seventeen, and then he signs a two year deal for for eighteen and struggles. He started out great, but then you know had shoulder injuries and stuff. Um, but they have so much depth that they were able to to work around that and and same thing for when Chris Bryant goes down and uh, you know so on so I think their depth is really what what makes them and, and sets them apart and you see what the Dodgers have done and um, you know the Brewers have done with depth and the Red Sox and Astros the last couple of years depth is important it is a a grind it is a six month season and then obviously seven months if you want to win the World Series you get to it um, and as terms as their their weakness I think their weakness is the, the lack of pitching, like I talked about, from the farm system because it hamstrings everything else that they have to do uh, from roster construction to to budget and finances. I mean, if they had, you know, one guy, one pitcher up here making the, the minor league minimum or major league minimum, I mean, like an Alzale, who was their number five starter, or, you know, a couple of guys in the bullpen, so, you know, they're not paying Brad Brock $3 million or, or so on. Um, I think that would help, and it would make a big, it would be a big factor, because this is, I think they they were like one of the oldest pitching staffs in baseball history to win the World Series in 16. Obviously, here we are three years later, and, you know, you're getting... You're just adding so many veteran pitchers and paying for them in free agency that it just it affects everything else you're able to do. And, I mean, the older pitchers get, the more they break down. So it uh, even though they have a ton of depth in pitching right now, it's still possible that, that all these injuries and age and stuff could, could be coming for them. So my next question, obviously the Cubs do have a lot of depth, like you mentioned. Um, you wrote an article yesterday about how David Bodie and Ian Happ are both going to be in the second base picture, along with Zobrist and Descalso. Um, I was wondering, what's your ideal lineup for the Cubs this year, including who would be the leadoff man and typical second baseman? Yeah, good question. Uh, I mean, the leadoff man for me is easy. It would be Ben Zobrist. Whenever he's in the lineup, he he always has the, the best at-bats. I mean, even if he strikes out or pops up or whatever he always just has a great plan up there and 
And um, it just, it looks like he's seeing the ball well. And, you know, he's talked about it before. Like, even if he has, goes 0 for 3 to start the game, by the time he gets a fourth at bat, he'll know what he's seen and, and what he's doing and what the pitcher's doing and, and so on. Um, and then obviously his patience and how he performed last year. I think he's the, the ideal fit as leadoff for the Cubs. Um, and then, yeah, you know, put him at second. And then I'd say uh, KB hitting second at third, Rizzo hitting third at first. Uh, Javi clean up at short, um, Schwarber in left, Contreras catching. Uh, where am I at? That's six. Uh, Hayward seven, and then uh, maybe like the pitcher spot eight, and Almora nine. If we're facing like uh, if if you're talking about like Cubs uh, um, are facing a right-hander, then I'd say like maybe Almora hit ninth, and then you got his defense out there. So uh, I think that would be ideal, and it would be interesting to see uh to see how more hit ninth and kind of set the table for Zobris and those other guys too because he did have that stretch last year when the lineup was I think Bryant was out so the lineup was Elmora Javi Rizzo and they were getting a yeah. lot of runs at the top so I think Elmora nine is like a second leadoff hitter is good um yeah definitely I also see maybe Hap playing a little bit of center field batting in that nine spot or potentially leading off in some situations yeah, I think uh, he'll definitely get some chances to lead off again, and he'll he'll be playing center field for sure. I mean, Amor still has strides to make uh, against righties, especially. So, um, Hap will be out there. Hap will, he could be all over the place. He, you know, Maddie was saying we're gonna give him a first base glove, a you know third base glove, a middle infield glove, uh, obviously outfield. So we we could see Hap play six positions this year. And who knows? Maybe they'll need him to pitch again. Do, do you think it hurts some players not having a consistent lineup? And with Joe Madden saying he's going to do more of a hands-on coaching thing, do you think a more consistent lineup is something that Joe's maybe going to implement? I don't think he's going to implement it uh, because if you look at the roster, that's just impossible. I mean, Zobris is, is going to be 38, so he can't play every day. The, the reason he was so good last year is because he was able to, to be healthy and he held up well. And that was because he was only starting, you know, two or three days in a row and would get time off. So, you know, without the DH position in the NL, I think there's just no way you can play Zobrist every day. And then if that's the case, you know, that if Zobrist is your bench player and you have this, this stable, consistent lineup, well, I mean, you're just not going to play Zobrist. You're not going to play, what, Descalso, or you're not going to play Hap. And there's, there's too many good guys and there's too much depth to have guys be sitting on the bench and, and only starting like once a week on a Sunday or something like that. I mean, this isn't a roster with LaSalle anymore. I mean, this guy also is so much more versatile and, um, and, and can hit lefties and so on, so that he should be playing even more than LaSalle is in terms of starts. So I just don't think it's feasible. Um, and I know the Cubs said it. I'm sure, you know, maybe guys like Elmore and Hap said it, but, you know, the, the players indicated they would like a more stable lineup. But I, I just don't think it's realistic, and I don't think it should be. The look around at all these other teams, the, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Indians, you know, all these guys may, may keep a couple of spots the same, but it's all about matchups. And, you know, the Elmore um, kills lefties, but he's, you know, struggles against righties. So you can't just have him in there every day against righties, especially when you have a guy like Ian Happ who can take at bats in center and, you know, a switch hitter who can kill righties. So I, I think that's just the way baseball is now. And last year, obviously, the Cubs played, I believe it was close to 40 games a row in a row towards the end of the season. They were very tired. Um, 
Do you think maybe even at the beginning of the year, but periodically throughout the year, do you think Joe is going to be giving more rest to some players to avoid the situation that happened at the end of last year? I think they've always cared about rest, uh, specifically, you know, starting 2016 and moving forward, especially even 2017 after they played in November in 16. Um, they, they care about rest and they, you know, like I mentioned with Zobrist, it, it's important to them all year, whether it's April or June or September. I think really from the Cubs perspective, they, they just have to, to try to, I don't know, I guess do what they can to play games, even if there's a few hour rain delay so that they're not, you know, being pushed back because this year it's going to be the same thing again. If there's, you know, in the last, I think 39 days or 40 days of the season, they currently only have two off days. So you're talking about one one rain out and all of a sudden like it changes everything for September and they're in the same boat they were in last year. So, um, you know, it, it, I guess it's, it, that's the only thing they can do, but even then it's Major League Baseball's decision and the umpire's decisions and the Cubs, you know, all they can do is give their input. So um, I don't think other than that, there's really anything they can control. If they don't set their schedule and, you know, at least the good thing is uh, last September proved it, and this September will as well. The roster's still at 40, so you have plenty of arms and, and guys to um, to throw out there and make sure that, you know, you get the guys rest. But, yeah, it, it very well could be difficult again. I just – I think last year was an anomaly still. I mean, Joe Madden has been in the game for, what, four decades, and he said he's never seen anything like that. I had never heard of anybody going through anything quite like that. And we mentioned Joe Madden. Um, do you think this is going to be his last year in a Cubs uniform on the bench? And what does he have to do to make it not his last season? Well, I think it's World Series or bust expectations. And he's put those expectations out there as well. If he wins another World Series, the chances go up you know, exponentially higher that he comes back. If he makes it to the World Series or, you know, if, if they get to the NLCS or so on, um, then, yeah, I mean, you're looking at, like, a, a pretty strong chance he's back. But, you know, if they lose the wildcard game or, you know, end up in, in second place in the division and then, you know, even if they fight through the wildcard game or, you know, just, I guess just um, if they're, this, the same kind of stuff happens that has basically happened the last two years, uh, falling short of expectations, I think that'll be it'll make the chances much higher that Madden will be uh, this will be his last year on the job. Um, but then again, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if you know the Cubs are, are firmly in this window of contention. You talk about Brian's free agency coming up, and and so and, you know all these other guys they have three years here where they really have an opportunity to you know get another ring or a couple rings. And changing managers is is a huge deal. It's really big, and I know you know. You look at like Joey Cora, or I'm sorry, Alex Cora winning, and um, some of these other guys around the game. Dave Roberts was very successful in LA when he first started. It's it's that's difficult. That's the exception, not the rule. So if the Cubs, the Cubs are going to have World Series expectations next year too. If they're if they're really changing managers, and it's not Joe Madden, it's going to be a big shakeup, and I don't think necessarily in a good way. So um, I guess I. I I don't know. There's so much that has to play out, but right now it looks 50-50 to me. I think there's a possibility he might come back and sign a, a you know one-year extension or two years, um, and it's also very feasible that this is his last year. Let's talk about the pitching staff for a second. Um, first, about the starting staff. Do, how close do you think this staff will be to being the best 
starting staff in baseball? I don't think they will be the best starting staff in baseball. Um, like I mentioned, pitching age, it, and that's just a big thing for what Pakota and those rankings that everybody hates, and the Cubs have it on their on their little uh, bulletin board in there. What Pakota predicts the Cubs record to be, um, but a lot of that is because of the age of that pitching staff and the Cubs. And I mean, history proves that these guys break down and. Lester and Hamels are 35, and Darvish has not been healthy for a few years, you know, a couple of years now, I mean, since 17. Uh, Brandon Morrow had issues, and, you know, Steve Ciszek's getting up there, and Brad Braxton is mid-30s, and, you know, all around, uh, Mike Montgomery already has a little shoulder thing now, but, you know, should be on the mound in a day or two. I, I just think it, it'll be so tough for them to stay healthy and be consistently healthy all year, and they still, you know, they, they have depth, um, and obviously they're hoping that, you know, Tyler Chadwick can get back to who he was pre-2018. But just in general, I think it's going to be a tough road for this starting rotation. Um, but it's possible. They have the upside. I mean, Lester and Hamels are 35, but these are guys who have defied odds and stuff their entire careers. And Hamels was pumping 95 last year when he came over. So, um, but yeah, I think the, the rotation isn't a concern. I just think that it's, it would be very difficult to be the best rotation um, with these guys, but they want it to be obviously, and, and that's they know how important that is, and that's why I made an off season of not much budget and, and financial constraints. That's why they picked up Cole Hamill's twenty million dollar option because they know how important it is for the rotation to uh, go out and and fire on all cylinders like they were towards the end of last year. Um, now, break down the Cubs bullpen for me. Who are we going to be seeing on opening day? And who do you think is going to be closing games until pay, or until uh, Brandon Morrow comes back? I think Strope's the closer, uh, for the most part. There might be some times where, you know, if he's worked a couple days, it might go to C-Shack or Brock or so on. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, those those three guys that I talked about, Strope, C-Shack, Brock, um, C.J. Edwards, those are going to be kind of the big four. And then Mike Montgomery is a shoe-in for the bullpen if there's no uh, pitching injury, starting rotation injury, and he doesn't need to jump in the rotation. Um, so, so you got those five. And then I think Chatwood's in there. I think the Cubs are going to give him an opportunity to to show that he can you know get the ball over the plate and that last year was an anomaly. So I think you know that's six. Then I'll say Xavier Cedeno makes it as well as another lefty. And um, one more spot. Oh, I uh, probably missing somebody here. But I think I think Tony Barnett has a good shot, and George Contos as well. Um, these guys, uh, even Alec Mills. I mean, they they have the potential to to throw an inning or two if they need to um, in high leverage situations, and they've had success in the past. Mills not quite as much as the other two, but you know Mills was impressive last year when we saw him. So I think that'll that'll be the most of the bullpen that we see, but it, it's going to be in flux all year. They're going to have guys shuttling between Iowa and Chicago and just to rest arms and, and make sure that they're not wearing down as the season goes on. What's your take on the idea of a universal DH? I, I love it. I think it's stupid that there's not one. I mean, I, I know I grew up with the only thing I've ever known is the American League has a DH and the National League doesn't, but that that's just silly. I mean, there's no... In football, the AFC and NFC don't have a different set of rules. It's not like 
you know, the offense gets uh, gets an extra wide receiver in the, in the AFC, so they get 12 guys in the field, and the defense still only gets 11. I mean, that would just be silly. I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> you know, there's nothing in, in hockey or basketball or, you know, English Premier League soccer like that. It's just, it's just wacky to me that they're at the same level here at the big leagues, and one league has, has drastically different rules than the other. That obviously is a competitive difference. It's when you have an extra hitter in the lineup versus pitchers posting a 293 OPS, which they did last year, I mean, that, that's a big deal. So I think it, it needs to come to the National League, and, and I wish it was coming this year. What's your prediction? Um, who is a prediction besides, of course, Rizzo and Javi and Chris to break out for the Cubs this year? I think Hap. I think Hap is, is last year was maybe a, a sophomore slump, so to speak, for him. I think Hap's the guy to watch. He he struck out a ton last year, but he still has an elite walk rate and um, he has more power than the fifteen homers we saw last year. So I think uh, I think he's the guy to look out for a breakout. And how about the Cubs M V P this year? Um, that's a good one. I think the M V P has to be Javi in the sense of I think we're all expecting Chris Bryant to come back and be the player that he once was pre-shoulder injury. You always know what you're going to get from Rizzo. And, um, you know, I think Wilson Contreras will bounce back as well. But if Javi, if last year was kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a fluke, but if last year was, you know, that best year for Javi, then that, it'll really knock the Cubs back a couple of steps. Yeah. He still has a lot of strides to make uh, offensively. At, you know, he, he hardly ever walks. Unless it's intentional, he still strikes out a good amount. He chases pitches. He swings at almost everything, and and that just makes him too easy to get out at times. It, it can make him go through slumps. But because of how much they're counting on him to play shortstop, to you know, to be their vocal leader and stuff too, I think this season comes down to like this. This might be Javi's team by the end of this year. You know, Rizzo's still a face. Chris Bryant may be the best player, but I think Javi has to be the MVP for the Cubs to get where they want to go. Obviously, this division got a lot better over the winter. Um, I'm wondering if you think the Cubs are still near the top of it or if they slipped maybe towards second or third in the division. Um, give me your take on how this division will um, end up by the end of the year. Yeah, I think the Cubs are still at the top. I They're not – the gap has closed incredibly. You know, the, the Cardinals have obviously gotten Goldschmidt and Miller and the Brewers have done well. Even the Reds have done really well and the – Pirates always pitch well and play the Cubs tough. So it's, it's going to be a big jumble. All five of those teams are going to be hovering right around 500. And, you know, it's entirely possible that come late July, a trade deadline, all five of those teams are looking to add and looking to make a push. That being said, I still think the Cubs, I'll take their, the chances on, on them in terms of talent, depth, um, coaching, front office, and the intangibles and experience. They know what it's like to win, and they – they have this this mission, this urgency to get back there. So uh, give me the Cubs to win the division this year. I agree. Um, the Pocota rankings had the Cubs finishing last at 80 and 82. The Vegas odds, I think, are 88 and a half games. I'm wondering, what's your record prediction for the Cubs this year? I think 89 wins, 80 to, 89 to 90 wins for me uh, is where, where I'd say would win the division just because everybody's going to beat up on each other, yeah. you know, like I was talking about. So I think that'll be enough to win it. And I think that 
this team is certainly capable of that. Um, I'd be stunned if they put it together to win 100, but, you know, you never know. Crazier things have happened. Um, but I think, I think 90 wins, 89 to 90 wins is a good bet. And my final question for you is, what are you most excited about for the Chicago Cubs in 2019? Uh, great question. I don't know. I mean, this time every year, I'm just excited to get baseball back. I you know, was watching live VP yesterday, and Wilson Contreras just hit, you know, this smoke line drive in right center gap. And Kelly Crow got this video, so it's on her Twitter if, if anybody wants to check it out. But um, it was the sound of it was just awesome. I've not heard a sound like that since, you know, September of last year. So uh, really, I think <laughs> the answer right now is I'm just excited for, for regular season baseball to get going again. I think this is going to be maybe the most interesting Cubs season in, in the last three years. So anxious to see how it all plays out and, and what happens, especially early on. Good luck today and the rest of your time in Arizona. Thank you so much for joining us, Tony. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, Anthony. That's all the time we have here today for the Cubs Corner Podcast. Special thank you to Tony and Drackey for coming on and giving us a little bit of a preview for the Cubs season. We'll see you next week Monday. Thanks, everybody.